This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to our continuing discussion with Dr. David Cole, the chairman for the Center of Automotive Research, with Tom Krischer from the Associated Press and Ed Lapham from Automotive News. And Dave, in, in the broadcast version, we left off when you were saying something pretty interesting of how much restructuring's gone on with GM and Chrysler, and to a degree Ford as well. But the Japanese, the Germans, the Koreans, the rest of them haven't gone through that. Is it possible that the American auto industry is going to come out on top or, or much more competitive against uh, other regions of the world than it has been in a long time? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think they'll be far more competitive, obviously, in this market just because of the inability to restructure the legacy cost. It was kind of like trying to compete as a runner where you're running against a guy who's got a track suit on and track shoes and you're uh, wearing galoshes and carrying a bowling ball and you're expected to compete in a race, that's gone. But I think this restructuring of the basic operations, and there's a couple of things. One is the leaning, the other is the global integration, where a, a GM and Ford is really thinking of the world as the world rather than in these compartmentalized ways. Toyota and Honda and others have thought of the world that way for a long time. And uh, that, I think, does uh, level the playing field. But are they at a disadvantage? And I ask this because so far we still only have uh, the financial reports from the first quarter for the Japanese. Right. But in Q1, Toyota lost more money than General Motors. Honda lost more money than Ford Motor Company. And I don't see the kind of legacy costs that the, at those two companies that the big three were burdened with. And that's why I'm asking, well, I, I think, are the Japanese going to come out of this at a disadvantage? And, and the question is, uh, uh, Europeans, Koreans, uh, you know, it, it's, it's changed. With the heat of what's gone on, uh, there's no question that the rate of change has been very high for the domestic manufacturers here. And I think that does give them competitive advantage. One of the things, for example, we see in Toyota, which is a, you know, Toyota production system and the concept of the company, and once they set a target, they plow on towards that target, but they really overinvested pretty dramatically in capacity around the world. And uh, as the yen and dollar uh, thing shifts, they become vulnerable. You know, in Japan, they're a company that is known as the Toyota Bank or the Bank of Japan type of thing. That's gone. It, that, that, that money, uh, just on exchange rate shift, it's cost them over $10 billion in the, in the last year. So the, the playing field is, is much, much more level I think what we're going to see are the, the, the creative uh, companies that can get past the constraints that you have on change. And those constraints could be governmental like we see with, uh, uh, in Europe with respect to uh, you know, changing, closing, uh, shutting things. If we can get past uh, those kind of things, uh, the nimble, it's not the lean anymore, it's the lean agile that is going to uh, prosper into the, into the future. Uh, it's a real test. I, you know, we've we've got to be very cautious that we don't get captured by the past year and the first quarter, second quarter, and and look beyond that. And when we look beyond that, uh, I I think uh, particularly for GM and Ford, I think they're going to be very very strong companies with the kind of restructuring that they're going through. And this is going to dictate some, and it already has. It is management changes, uh, restructuring, uh, investment policies, uh, uh, products. Uh, it's going to be a wild, wild world for a long, long time, and don't count the domestics out in this game at all. Do you guys see the same thing? Uh, are are the, the Germans, the Japanese, Koreans at all going to be at a disadvantage with the big three having gone through this massive restructuring? We see in Europe now with, with the Volkswagen Porsche thing, we, we see some additional consolidation in Europe. Uh, there's, uh, General Motors is spinning Opel. 
there are a lot of things in play in other parts of the world right. as well. And in, in Sweden, you, you have the Indians who are adding capacity. You have the Chinese who've, who've slowed their addition of capacity but are still adding capacity, bringing things online as they consolidate it. So it, it is going to be a very lively global game. There's no question about that. And when it comes to North America, I think that what has happened here with the bankruptcy will help build the Detroit Three in their own home market. What that does for them overseas depends on how they either can globalize, how they can view themselves as a global player, or form alliances and partnerships with others who can help them overseas. It has to make you wonder what Toyota does in North America. Um, you know, they have this um, sort of uh, corporate uh, logo, if you will, that they haven't laid anybody off, they haven't closed any plants, and uh, are they gonna be able to afford to continue to be that benevolent and then when the, the two-tier wage kicks in, the UAW's two-tier wage kicks in, and you got a UAW getting $14 an hour, does Toyota have to cut its wages at Georgetown, Kentucky, which are $29 or $30 an hour right now? So Toyota's going to have to take some steps, I think, to be competitive, which uh, when would you have heard that in the last five years? They're going to have to take steps to be competitive with the domestics. Yeah, my guess on with NUMI, it, it looks like they're taking steps towards pulling out of the NUMI joint venture. Will they close the plant, though, I guess is my question. And if they do, they can say, well, Numi failed. That wasn't a Toyota deal. So we still have never closed a plant and never laid off a person. Or they pull, do they pull out of Numi and then tell the UAW or the workers at the plant, hey, that, that contract went with Numi. Now this is a Toyota plant and we're starting from scratch on this in terms of wages and benefits. I think that's the game that's being played here. I, in, in talking to the people in uh, the West Coast, one of the things that they're concerned about is that here's a market that Toyota has been greatly successful in, and the symbolic aspects of uh, closing that that plant would be a problem. It's also the only UAW plant uh, in Toyota, and my opinion is that the labor force will do anything to keep that plant open. Uh, but we're really witnessing a process of uh, putting a force in place uh, that will ultimately make that plant re be restructured. So they might close it, but they've, they've got a, a plant, a finished plant, uh, not staffed yet in Mississippi. Uh, we don't know how this is all going to uh, unfold. I mean, it is a work in progress. And the thing that the uh, situation that the internationals have had is that couple of thousand dollar per vehicle uh, cost advantage with legacy costs and other costs, work rule costs and so on, um, that goes away. So it changes the competitive environment dramatically. And, and it's also interesting, I mean, the uh, Jobs Bank, which people generally think of Detroit as a horrible thing, the combined Jobs Bank people uh, with the big three is less than the permanent employees at uh, Toyota that are not working now. Uh, permanent employee and Jobs Bank are really the same kind of thing. Um, the temporary employees at most of the international companies, they're gone, you know, they're, they're on the sideline. Uh, you, have, you have political pressures facing Toyota in Japan and in the United States and in California. That is, right. NUMI, the Fremont plant, is the last assembly plant on the left coast. And, and you know, the state of California, which is a big, big market for Toyota, would dearly love to keep it open. Right. On the other hand, you know, in, in the Japanese economy has been under pressure. Toyota builds a smaller percentage of the vehicles that it sells in North America here than either Nissan or Honda. So it needs, for the, on the cost basis, to, to build a higher percentage here, but that means you know, pressures back home. So they face 
that they face their own critical issues. I, I met with the, uh, in fact, he came to visit me a few weeks ago, the head of Midi's auto division, and uh, their exports of uh, manufactured products are down about 75% yeah. uh, from Japan, and that's a horrible hit on their economy. When you think of the foundation of an economy is in three areas, mining, agriculture, and manufacturing. It's not in uh, tech and finance. Uh, it's, those are nice. Uh, and facilitators, but you can't eat them, wear them, live in them, fly in them, or drive in them. It's get back, it's, and manufacturing is really, really important in their economy. And at uh, its point that Toyota is bringing a lot of uh, product out of Japan, it's a dilemma. Uh, I, mean, I mean, these these are tough, tough issues that both manufacturers are uh, facing now as the world becomes much more globally integrated, plus the prospect that you're going to have folks coming out of uh, uh, China. Uh, India, uh, Brazil, who knows where this is going to uh, take us over the next few years. One of the things that I personally have a great concern about is, uh, from the U.S.'s perspective, is our ability to match up skill-wise with some of these emerging countries. Um, Japan, uh, birth rate of 1.3, lose 60 million population over the next 20 or 30 years, big deal. They're worried sick about it. They don't know what to do about it. But you've got India and China. Uh, that with the technical capability growing, it's huge. Um, you know, we've had this offshoring for cheap labor has sort of preoccupied our thinking. We're at the threshold of, with the exit of the boomers, of offshoring for skilled labor. That is a really dangerous issue that could emerge. We did a study here uh, a little over a year ago just on the auto industry, tech workers as well as production workers, but the new production worker in the auto industry is going to have to have a two-year community college degree. Yeah. And it used to be an industry that you could work in as a high school dropout, no longer. And so are we going to have the people in our economy with the skills that are going to be able to sustain uh, the auto industry and other parts of the economy? I don't know. We're at risk. You know, we get so preoccupied with the financial meltdown right now, uh, energy issues, which are big. But there's that long-term issue that ultimately is going to define whether we are in the world what we have been, and that is the education of our population. And right now, that's at risk. And that's probably a great note to wrap this up on. David Cole, thanks so much for coming in and sticking around for this extra bit no, for the internet. Dave, Ed Lapham from Automotive News, Tom Kirscher from the Associated Press, great having you guys here too.